Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including... CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to the fifth broadcast of the Ask Dr. Gibbs X-Zone Radio Net Show, XZBN, coming to you from Toronto, Canada. The content of my program explores, as it will each week, one issue which appears to be worldwide in importance and presents issues which seem to defy easy solutions. These are... One, the prevention and treatment of heroin addiction. Two, offering a modified training program for helping both police and citizens alike to de-escalate potential violence. Three, describing a method in helping all interested persons that are, want to learn how to master their anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, usually without the need for medication. Four, for many people who are interested in considering going into some form of therapy, such as psychoanalytic psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, cognitive, and so forth, there are many questions that uh, I know they need to explore and want answers to, and this program will uh, take a number of them, such as how do you pick the right therapist? How do you know what school to uh, go into? Uh, how do people change in therapy, how long does it take, and so forth. Which brings us to the fifth area that I have been exploring for the last four weeks, and my major uh, area of interest, which is exploring in breadth and depth the nature of meaningful coincidences, or as coined by Jung, synchronicities, and some of their practical uses. This last area on my interest segues directly into the territory of this, uh, the content of this um, show. From time to time, I uh, intend to invite a guest speaker 
who is uh, noted for uh, his expertise or her expertise in a particular field of my interest. Today's guest is Dr. Bernard Beitman. He has an impressive bio, which um, particularly relates to his exploring the subject matter of synchronicities and the uses. Dr. Beitman went to Yale Medical School and did his psychiatry residency at Stanford. He is presently a visiting professor at the University of Virginia in the Behavioral Sciences Department of Psychiatry and Neurobehavioral Sciences, and is the former chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Missouri-Columbia. He has edited two issues of a prestigious journal called Psychiatric Annals that focuses on coincidences. He also has written a popular uh, selling book, uh, go to Amazon, take a look at it, I highly recommend it, called Connecting with Coincidences, and is the founder of the new interdisciplinary field of coincidences, which much, is, much interests me. Just a few words why I have chosen Bernie as my first guest. Jung, who was accorded the most famous researcher of meaningful coincidences, which he dubbed synchronicities, was a follower of Freud, who tried in vain to explain how synchronicities work and where they come from, the whole process leading to them, using conventional causality as an, as an explanatory principle in the service of creating a science of synchronicities. His failure to accomplish this task led him to make a revolutionary conclusion, which I personally have found extraordinarily provocative and challenging, about attempting to provide a rational explanation of uh, these often appearing to be amazing events. Further, he concluded that a rational explanation using causality as an expl explanatory principle is not even possible in causal terms. You can't even conceive of it. His particular um, attitude towards synchronicities led him to formulate the first theory of synchronicities, which is half psychodynamic, meaning a person has synchronicities, has a self, so that half of his uh, process that leads to the formulation of a given uh, explanation for synchronicities is a psychological one, and half or, or psychodynamic. And half is what I refer to as, or describe the second half of his process leading to synchronicities as mystical, magical. Some people might think spiritual, religious, and so forth, meaning otherworldly. Jung makes it quite clear that he believes logically that his theory is pretty much all that has to be said about the subject matter, because it's all that can be said about the subject matter. He relies essentially less on rational uh, uh, connections or rational explanations than intuiting or sensing uh, the particular feelings associated with the production of synchronicities, which he calls numinosity. I believe that progress in this relatively new field are challenges to um, Jung's anti-causal non-rational explanation. In so doing, he attempted, I think quite well, in offering a number of explanations. Take a break at this point and return in a few minutes. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, 
and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say, it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show at X-Zone Radio, XZBN Toronto. My own research in this field, uh, research of 46 years so far, has largely been a refutation of what Jung regards as the crux of his radical theory, consisting of three anti-causal arguments. These include an argument about methodology, the second is of meaning, and the third is of time. Too long to go into an explanation now, but I urge you, if interested, please uh, take a look at my papers that I've written. You can see them on gibsonline.com and look to uh, to the synchronicities link. In the last program, I indicated that there are basically five different and overlapping attitudes towards synchronicities. These are, one, collecting them. Two, bathing in what is referred to as the uncanny-like feeling accompanying them, named numinosity by Jung. Three, identifying and exploring the implications of these events, often experienced as if they are transcendent messages from some invisible realm of spiritual experience to, uh, on the other end of that group, 
They are man-made events projected onto external reality. Four, creating and applying alternative theories of synchronicities. And five, identifying alternative theories of synchronicities that were described and applying them to practical pursuits. In this connection, the most helpful books on this expanding topic has been Bernie's book, Connecting with Synchronicities. Would you please tell us, Bernie, if you will, what attracted you to this fascinating research and how has it culminated in your particular book, which I think is a real aid to important research, furthering what Jung says is impossible to do, which is to create a science of synchronicities. Oh, thank you very much, Gibbs. Uh, thank you for having me on the program. I got into the study of coincidences because I had them. I had dramatic ones um, early in my life, um, particularly one involved. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal, single item at regular price. Alving my dog when I was eight or nine, and my dog was lost, and I couldn't find him, and uh, I found him, and the way I found him was. For a nine-year-old, wonderful. I'm glad he was there. Um, but in retrospect, thinking about it, uh, there were several different factors that went into it. Uh, that lost dog uh, became a focus for my research. How did it happen that the dog got lost and I got lost and we found each other? Later in my life, uh, age 31, um, I began choking uh, uncontrollably. And I found out that 3,000 miles away, my father was choking on his own blood, dying. And that became another focus for my interest in coincidences because since then I've learned that many other people have what I now call simulpathity experiences, that is having the experience of the pain of a loved one at a distance. On those two experiences, I did a lot of research, looked at my own coincidences in more and more different lights and came up uh, with questions like yours, Gibbs. Uh, can we explain them without having to use something hard to understand, like the unus mundus of Jung or the, or the collective unconscious uh, of Jung that may be more palpable to uh, our understanding of current reality? So I've come to three different general conclusions about what might cause coincidences. On the one hand, there are the statisticians who talk about probability, and every coincidence has a probability that can be estimated. On the other hand are the more mystical questions, which generally speaking are universe and God. Uh, people often speak of the universe speaking to them, or this is God's way of remaining anonymous. In between, I've become fascinated, as you have, with how individuals contribute to their coincidence creation. And uh, just yesterday, I posted on my Psychology Today blog post, which I invite uh, our listeners to look at, Psychology Today, Connecting with Coincidences. And that blog post is entitled, Coincidence Psychodynamics. And it illustrates with several case reports just how we create many of our own coincidences. I also find coincidences useful. I think the discussion of explanation is very important. And we always often ask why, but how can we use them? And my book is primarily focused on the usefulness of coincidences. And even before that is is a request of the reader to pay more attention to them. And the reason to pay more attention to them is because they can enrich our lives by helping in all aspects, including decision-making, relationships, health, ideas, spirituality, job, and money problems.
That's a great list. Um, you know, because we discussed uh, our mutual work together, that I major, uh, or my major interest in trying to understand the nature of these things and the uses to which they're put, is mainly the contribution that an individual makes in what you refer to is creating, um, the, I guess, the conditions or his own, um, uh, it's like you, you create the coincidence, so to speak. That's just a little bit differently. I think we're saying the same thing and at the risk of sounding petty. I think it's more discovering uh, the conditions rather than creating them, but that's discuss that later if you want to. It's a petty difference. That, that, I, I believe it's both. Um, and one of the stories, I use both creating and discovering uh, in them. It's a little hard to to sometimes make that distinction because we're both looking for them and uh, discovering them. You can't discover something usually that you're not looking for. You know, it's a good point. It reminds me of uh, some of the concepts that um, Winnicott uses uh, when he describes the relationship between the baby or a person, young child, and the mother, in which he refers to as uh, tradi tra tra transitional objects and uh, transitional experience. And he uses the fact that when the child is trying to separate, mainly at around three years old, they typically um, either discover or create or pick out some object, typically a blanket, the blankie, and that object is used for great purposes, psychological purposes in terms of separation. So that on one end of the uh, stick, the baby, when it feels uncomfortably separated from the mother, will use the uh, blanket as a transitional object, or blanket equals mother, and in effect, glom onto it as if it were the mother, so that the child, from the child's perspective, you might say he's created the mother, or the blanket. On the other end, when the child has sufficiently separated, but um, wants to still feel that it has a connection with the mother, the child will use the blanket as a way of rediscovering the mother or letting the mother rediscover the child. It's really quite fascinating. I think there's some uh, benefit in applying this kind of psychological termination, termination, um, uh, applying this kind of, uh, I need a word. I need a transitional word. Bernie, help me with a word. Uh, psychological understanding. Thank you very much. Nice to have you on the program. Psychological understanding. Yeah, I think I, that, I think it's ahead. a very it's, I think that's a very nice analogy, uh, and and it gets to how we are constantly seeking and constantly discovering as part of our lives, uh, and the co coincidences fit in with that seeking and discovering. Um, quite regularly, and I'm encouraging people, and you are too, to be able to find coincidences, to be open to them, to discover them, to seek them, to create them, and then use them, because it's their usefulness. We're both psychotherapists, and while other people study coincidences in other ways, uh, our reason for looking at them is to help people resolve difficulties, resolve conflicts, resolve ambivalences, to discover things that they need for themselves. And, and my, under m what I understand and what I've observed about the conditions under which coincidences are more likely to happen, those are conditions of need and high emotion and transition. And psychotherapy is a situation of need, high emotion, and transition. So they happen in psychotherapy too, which is a very interesting subset of locations in which to look for coincidences, but there are psychotherapeutic events that happen in our lives, and coincidences can be that for people. I think that's a very important point. Uh, from my research, the thing that I found of most value in trying to understand these things discounting uh, Jung's provocative statement that a rational explanation is, of these things are really impossible. I don't believe that. In the, my 50-year uh, research was an attempt to take the three anti-causal arguments that he says are irrefutable and refute each one and put together the uh, 
findings that I got from doing the research. In that connection, I, uh, I, I very much am interested in the conditions surrounding these things. And uh, the first cause, anti-causal argument that he has, I think, gets to the nub of what you and I are trying to do, in which he says, look, you can't uh, study these things. Um, you, there, there's no method which allows you to study these things scientifically. If by science one means, you have to be able to pin them down on a table and replicate uh, experiments. You can't do it because... That's right. Synchronicities are experiences. If they're firefly flashes, how are you going to pin that down to a, a table? So what he does is to, in a way, throw out the um, uh, causal elements and uh, substitute uh, his rather odd um, con con concept called a principle of a causality, which really it still implies that there's a causal element, but not the one that he thinks is associated with conventional science. All right, let's grant him that's fact. Then he says, look, because you got this difficulty in um, not being able to pin these things down, plus a problem in meaning where you, uh, the nub of these things are, you take a coincidence and when you give it special meaning, you turn a, synchronous, you turn a uh, coincidence into a synchronicity. And the third issue that seems to prevent causality is that these things seem to happen. This inner event collides with a meaningful outer event and it happens in a temporary way or temporal way with a sense of almost automatically occurring. So without the passage of A and B, he says you can't uh, find a method that's going to rationally understand these things. Well, there is a method which you and I employ. The method is to cut to the chase what I would refer to as contextual analysis. It is a fact that coincidences or synchronicities, call them what you may, all occur in a particular psychological, sociological, historical context. And if you treat um, the subject matter, in this case, any coincidence, any synchronicity, as a waking dream, then you can apply the principles of dream analysis in trying to understand the particular um, synchronicity of the moment. I guess we'll have to take another break at the moment. We'll come back in a few and continue this interesting conversation. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Thank you. 
While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome, you return to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show at X Zone Radio, XZBN 1109 2016 from Toronto. I like what you say, Bernie, about, and your paper on dynamics of uh, coincidences, which I read um, last night, as a matter of fact, highly interesting. And you say that you're focusing on, beside probabilities or statistics, and some kind of a um, process involving a connection with so-called spirituality and so forth. You say that you uh, first want to eliminate the contribution that individuals make with respect to either creating or discovering the parallel situation, which the connection between the inner event and the outer event adds up to having a synchronicity. The contribution of the experiencer also, I think, happens in very definite conditions. You started to mention a few before. You had your list of um, the high uh, emotional and uh, high emotion. Transition and need. Transition and need, correct. I've tended to boil these things down. Perhaps it's an oversimplification, but I think that they start, or all those can be uh, subsumed under a um, context of having a problem or issue that seeks resolution, but it eludes resolution. So it's got to be a big thing that people are sort of stuck with. They're sort of at an, an emotional impasse. They I just like- call that I just call that need um, because I think there are other reasons people uh, create coincidences or discover them besides psychological conflict. But for what we're talking about in this subtype of coincidence, definitely having a problem and looking for a solution or discovering it is is uh, very much the case. Well, I will defer to you. I'd be interested if we can uh, talk some more at, uh, at greater length about those other two conditions. How, if I can be persuaded to go along with that, I adopt your uh, point of view. In any event, certainly having a problem that needs to be resolved and it seems to be overwhelming is one major um, contribution to the process of uh, synchronicities. Yeah, the overwhelmingness drives the searching for discovery. Correct. Um, in what, what needs to be done, which you and I both do from our own points of view, we both refer to, uh, once you have the need or you uh, have this desire to resolve something and you can't seem to do it and you're stuck, I believe that starts what I refer to as each person's uh, hypothesized creative process. Uh, in, in my research, I detail 
or try to detail as much as I can the particular steps of what I think is the creative process winding up and uh, in an experience of a synchronicity, which is still in coded form. This message that you get, which feels like a synchronicity, is in coded form, like a dream that's unanalyzed, and it further has to be interpreted, and I think can be done so using uh, classic analytic uh, dream interpretation. I, I, think that, I think that dream analogy is a really good one. I, I, I use it, uh, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Well, that's cool. That's nice. Um, your analysis of the man who realizes that he's been happy, this is one of the... Um, very neat uh, synchronicities that you outline in your paper. To repeat, your analysis of the man who realizes he's been happy, uh, giving up the need to find perfect happiness, you conclude that while it's easy to assume synchronicities are divine messages from a transcendent God or realm of spirituality, or even, as Jung would say, archetypal absolute uh, realms of experience, these stories illustrate for your, from your point of view, and I think it's accurate, how conventional psychology can be the best explanation for some coincidences. Yes. Yes. And just for, for our listeners, uh, the story was of a, of a man riding a bicycle in Amsterdam, uh, having broken up with his woman friend because she wasn't uh, elegant enough. Um, but he was happy with her, he realized. And then looking around for a place to eat he wanted an elegant place to eat uh, along a canal in Amsterdam and couldn't find one but ended up um, getting a shawarma sandwich uh, sitting by a, an asphalt bridge uh, with people listening to some jazz musicians and having a great time it wasn't elegant but it was really a happy place and that happy place that he was there near that bridge reminded him of how happy he was with his woman friend he called it his coincidental heaven because right there he saw his mind mirrored in his environment and at that point decided he would go back to search for her. He had created or discovered, uh, which and both of them I think are apt, uh, a mirror of his mind, what he was conflicted about, he saw an answer to in his surroundings, using, as you're saying, Gibbs, his creative symbolic capacity. A good explanation. I also am aware that both of us, when we talk about trying to um, delineate the process, the psychological process leading to either the creation, the uh, experience of what have you, synchronicities, we both refer to what in the literature is, is called one's, you use the term subconscious or perhaps unconscious, Jung uses a term of consciousness in it as well, but he calls it the collective unconscious. And from my research, what I've discovered is that depending upon the um, description of or the utilization of a particular kind of consciousness, that's going to lead to alternative theories of synchronicity, each of which are certainly um, fine, pick your own, everybody probably has their own uh, interest. However, my contribution to this field is that I think, unlike what Jung states, there is much more to say about the subject matter, and that in so doing, different first assumptions about the nature of reality, philosophical assumptions, psychological assumptions, um, mystical assumptions, religious assumptions and so forth, different knowledge bases, when you use them as categories of experience, will lead to entirely different um, uh, concepts, such as the overall consciousness um, concept, but broken down in either a subconscious and or a um, collective unconscious. And depending upon which one you use, you're going to wind up with an entirely different um, uh, synchronicity theory. That's so true. I, I, each time I, I give a talk, uh, I try to determine the biases that the people in the audience, the various people, bring to 
what we're talking about because those biases want to be confirmed. There's a confirmation bias in all of us. We want to believe what we want to continue to believe what we already believe. So those biases make a difference in how they will hear and understand what we're talking about. My major emphasis is not so much about explanation. I think it's important. I think it's interwoven in, in any kind of coincidence experience. But I want to emphasize their practicality. I want to understand how under certain conditions we can help co be helped by coincidences in making decisions, in enhancing relationships, in looking for jobs, and also in our own spiritual development. We both, you and I, Gibbs, are interested in the psychological help that coincidences can, can do for people. I'm very interested in that, but I'm also interested in how they help in other aspects of our lives, including discovery of new ideas, as happens so often in medicine, particularly in pharmacology, with the discovery of new drugs. Uh, in my book, The Story of Alexander Fleming and the Discover discovery of penicillin is one of the most phenomenal sets of coincidence I've ever seen in any kind of historical description. There had to be 10 or 12 different events that we can call serendipities that went from Fleming's laboratory to high, high volumes of penicillin able to save lives during World War II. I... Um I see your point, but I, I think I, my emphasis is more on how do you um, explain the structure of a given synchronicity. And I do that because I think in so doing, if each person were able to do that for themselves, that they would tune into their own, what I believe is unique creative process. What's the creative process? When you say, stru when you say structure of a, of a synchronicity, what do you mean? Well, every synchronicity is uh, unique and uh, has certain elements to it which has a common structure. So that, for example, the structure of a given synchronicity or meaningful coincidence, of course the difference is simply the uh, amount of special meaning you attribute to this coincidence. Yeah, that's, an important, that's an important distinction. I, I like to use synchronicity for the really high level, high impact, uh, meaningful coincidences. I'm with you, except that if you uh, talk to people and uh, mention the word synchronicity and explain what it is and so forth, I have noticed that different people are going to respond to their own coincidences as uh, this has high impact, and you and I might think it's low impact, so that that value, it seems to me, really comes from an individual. Yes, agreed. My coincidence is more important to me than it is to you. <laughs> right. However, in trying to objectify each of our different coincidences... Yes, go ahead with that. Uh, there's always an internal event, an idea, anything, that becomes um, the starting point for a given experience of synchronicities. Then you have the conditions under which these things come about. You mentioned three... Well, one that I specialize in is identifying a uh, problem, problem which seems to be overwhelming and you're in an impasse, you can't uh, yes. solve it. What yes. happens then is, depending upon your attitude to the problem, one of which may be, I give up, I'll have to live with it, or I'm going to deny it, or I'm going to drink myself to death, or just forget it, or shoot myself, or what have you. That's a kind of passive um, attitude towards this kind of event. Or or this kind of problem, or you dedicate yourself to a struggle with struggle to try to find a solution which appears to be unfindable. And once you do that, I think what it does is to bring all the forces that one has inside together. They're not split. You're, you have all of your energies allied to um, problem resolution. Now, what are these forces that you have? And I think this is why I think this, uh, the pursuit of what I'm doing is important. In my analysis, I learned, if nothing else, to trust my instincts. Instincts are different than impulses. Instincts, I think, reach the core of you and never lie. And what do they consist of? And here's where I give credit to Jung, because I think he made an extremely important uh, point that's really pretty overlooked. I think that 
if you look inside and you ask yourself, well, what's inside? What's inside of inside reality, internal reality? You come up with thoughts, ideas, feelings, intuitions, bodily sensations, perceptions, perhaps other other things. Good list. To me, instinctual knowledge, which is what we are trying to get at, which is what I think at the core of each synchronicity, is being able to identify each of these, what I call streams of information, uh, of which they all contribute information to each other, and, and that grand synthesis eventually is what leads to the unmasking of a given synchronicity. That's so a that's, beautiful. That's a beautiful picture you've got there. The 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 specific details of the various informative streams of information, and then the synthesis of that form. The question I have for you is instinct versus intuition. Tell you what. Hold on. Great question. We'll come back in a few minutes. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune into Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. 
Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the fourth segment of the Ask Dr. Gibbs show, XZBN, coming to you from Toronto, Canada. Bernie, we left off at a point where you asked me a question. I believe it had to do with the difference between intuition and instinct. Is that accurate? Yes. I'm writing a a post for psychology today on just that subject. And the way you describe it with the multiple streams of information coming together and being synthesized is what I am calling honing your intuition. So I want to hear how you think about it. Great. I think that uh, for me... um, Instinct, as I said before, is a confluence of different um, streams of information, uh, thinking, feeling, intuition is part of it, sensing, and so forth. The difference between intuition and instinct uh, is first a difference between uh, instinct, uh, not instinct, uh, intuition and thinking. The difference between those two is one of speed. So that um, it can be best illustrated by uh, the concept of a um, movie, uh, of a film, a movie, movie film. So that if you take a set of stills and you um, run them together, you speed them up at a speed of uh, 20, something at like 24 frames per second, something like that, you will get an illusion of motion. If you stop them, you will see that the motion is really consisting of a a set of, let's say, 24 separate um, still shots that you've just speeded up. Thinking is akin to the experience of a speeded up film. Intuition is being able to get right at the point of deepest contact, or one slide, just keep uh, looking at it. If you take all those streams of information and you add them up or you combine them, it makes for a kind of a, um, what would you call it, a uh, a confluence. A uh, A confluence is good. It's because we're talking about flows of information. It brings it it all together, but what I'm really thinking of, it strengthens the uh, knowledge base. So the amount of information that you take is the parts, the, the individual uh, streams are bigger than the parts. So that, for example, if you are um, trying to understand a person who comes in and says, I need care, and that's all you got. So you gain a lot of information. You take a look at them, you ask them questions, you take what they say, and you add it up into some kind of a scheme and make some kind of a um, analysis or uh, a diagnosis of what it is that you think they're there for. That's, in a way, using perception as your first stream of information, hearing and speaking. You can add to it if you give the person, let's say, a battery of psychological tests, or you can say, tell me what comes to mind, at which point you're open to their particular streams of information, which may include anything. They'll usually tell you what their problem is, And then if you ask them a question of what's the origin of this problem, when did this first start, you're going to begin to hone in on their history and so on. So in other words, when Freud talks about um, the model of the mind as like um, an uh, an onion, what he's talking about is that we really do experience, if we're tuned into it, that there are many things swimming around internal reality, among them, these different ways of perceiving things and putting things together, certain things um, like in Gestalt uh, come out in terms of what our interests are, they recede when we satisfy the interest. The point is, each time you add on a new context, you are deepening and broadening your understanding of a particular person who comes to see you. And I I think it's a really useful concept because when you add on additional streams of information, you're making whatever you are trying to understand um, really um, strike you. Really, it's really strong. It's like seeing a um, a red uh, light in a uh, dark sky. 
Yeah, I'm still playing with the word difference between instinct, which I think I think of as something inborn um, genetically uh, through evolution, uh, rather than uh, what you're describing it as uh, as a culmination. Uh, uh, the red, the red star in the sky um, of all the other streams of information. Freud has said that when uh, we have to talk, and we talk um, using our minds and um, conversing, he said that what truly mo- that's that's a motivator. But what truly motivates us is our instincts. So he uses the analogy of being in a um, club car on a train. There are five people who have five different jobs. And uh, they're all absorbed in, let's say, the magazine of their particular interest. Let a pretty girl come into the um, entrance of the uh, car. And it, it is likely that all five people who are, have been previously engrossed in reading their interest are going to look up and be uh, turned on by the attractive woman who came in. That's instinct. Or in terms of settling the biggest major issues of our life. Who are we? What do we value? Um, Love, sex, all that stuff. Uh, Hiring people for an interview. Generally speaking, all that's over in about 25 seconds. And you have some feeling of attunement or resonance uh, that you, if you use it, usually right. And that the rest of what you do is to probably um, rationalize why you need to talk for an hour to interview somebody. But these, th- these things are all settled easily. I think one of the problems of our day is that people tend to be cut off from experiencing their instincts and trusting them. And I think that's one of the key we- reasons, and I agree with you, as to why these seemingly amazing experiences, synchronicities, are so terribly value- valuable, because it does indeed force you to go into, into internal reality and connect with this stuff so that you can use it for uh, increased, uh, if nothing else, ability to problem solve. I, I will just substitute intuition, not the way Jung uses it necessarily, for what you're saying is instinct. But however we, whatever term we use, that human beings are increasingly more cut off from their own internal information. The synthesis of the multiple streams of information is is a very important notion, and I think we both very much agree that coincidences become a way in which that intuition or instinct, as you're calling it, can be become more into awareness and more used. We've become so sensory loaded, so rational in our internet, uh, so scientific in our thinking, that we have lost touch with what is usually called a primitive way of knowing, but it is the culmination of knowing through all these other streams that we're discussing. I fully agree with you. For example, when Freud uh, did his first psychoanalysis on himself, which was remarkable, most people can't do that, he understood I, I, lo- I love the response to that when somebody said, when for, Freud said he did his own psychoanalysis, somebody said, the only problem with that was the countertransference. Well, Freud fully admitted that. He said, you know, uh, I can only, you, you can only go so far until you reach your own impasses and then you're stuck. That's why if you're trying to do self-analysis, it's the, re- the resistance to it is the countertransference, the tendency <laughs> to repeat the familiar. And, yeah. it's, and it's often difficult to know what's familiar because you're too damn close to it. So it's, it's a tricky business. Nevertheless, getting back to your point, yeah. which is that in being coming aware, simply becoming aware of coincidences is uh, learning to take dreams seriously. So most people tend to dream four times a night. If you ask them, did you dream anything? They would say, I never dream. If you want to help somebody learn how to dream, tell them, just consider... Um, writing down a dream, if you have any at night, put down a pad of pencil, a pad of paper and a pencil, and say to yourself, I would like to be able to remember a dream. Probably nothing will happen for two, three days. If you keep doing that each night, you'll activate your awareness towards having a dream, and it's quite likely within a week you will remember a sentence or a picture or something like that, and then within a couple of weeks you you will have long dreams. So increased awareness, increasing awareness of synchronicities is going by to writing to... them down. Yes, by yes. writing because we no, do not have categories yet. 
by which to remember coincidences. Uh, I am trying to develop categories because there are different kinds of coincidences. As we talk about people using synchronicity in a broad range of ways and that you and I would like to use synchronicity for the high impact meaningful coincidences. There are also many other subsets of coincidences, which I will do another psychology blog post on, just to start with a simple taxonomy that includes what you're focusing on, mind thing, mind environment coincidences, but there are also thing thing coincidences where you can, the two things are like three butterflies in a row, or there are mind mind ones where people share the same thought without having seen it externally. The most prominent ones are the mind external environment, the mind thing ones. But these distinctions, I think, will help us categorize and understand. And then when people are writing them down, be able to put them in categories that they can not only remember, but also talk about. And of course, you're implying that there is such a thing as telepathy, which Freud uh, indeed would grant you a favor and say, uh, you're right. Yes. Um, so he just that, said, let's not talk about that. <laughs> well, he couldn't afford to talk about it because he always—he already felt that uh, people thought that psychoanalysis was a bunch of malaria. Absolutely, that's right, that's right. So if, if you go into hocus pocus, you're really dead in the water. Do you, do you experience telepathy with your patients, Gibbs? Because I do. Uh, there's no question that I, uh, from time to time, have that. Absolutely. Good, because that needs more discussion among therapists, too. And, and there is a beautiful place to talk about the multiple streams of information coming into your mind. Because some people will say that's just a blink kind of experience where you just pick it up because you have a lot of information.